Hello and welcome to Mega City Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comics. I'm Eamon Clark. My guest for this episode is a sports journalist, the Formula One correspondent for the Guardian newspaper, no less. Giles Richards, welcome to the book club, Giles. Hello, Eamon, and thanks ever so much for having me. This is a real treat, real pleasure for me to be on your show. Well, thank you very much for giving up your time. Um, as you say, it's uh, Jubilee weekend, there's street parties going on outside both our houses, um, but we're going to struggle through with uh, hopefully not too much background noise. Giles, tell us, to begin with, your 2000 AD origin story, how you started with the prog. Yeah, all right, well, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a long story, but I'll try and cut it short, Eamon. Um, when I was a young child, my mum and dad encouraged me to read by buying me comics because I, as a child, I really didn't like reading. I wasn't very good at it and I wasn't getting any better at it. So mum and dad, they, they encouraged me into it by buying me things like the Dandy and Beano and Wizard and Chips. And they, they seemed to understand that they knew I liked the pictures, but um, I would enjoy it more if I could read the words that went with the pictures. And, and they sat down with me and helped me to do that. And I tried it. And, and when it when it clicked, it was like it, it was like a whole new world opened up. It was it was fantastic. I, I suddenly understood that, you know, Desperate Dan meant so much more when I could see what Desperate Dan was saying. And that led me on to reading. And I moved on to books shortly afterwards. Just William, Famous Five, that sort of things, that sort of thing. Um, and, and then from there, the whole world of literature. And, and, and I still think it, it remains one of the most important things that happened to me ever. I mean, I, I read books with great abandon after that and I have done ever since and everything that followed like going to university becoming a writer coming to love the intricacy of language and wordplay I think can probably be traced back to those days sat with Dennis the Menace and Desperate Dan so I continue to read comics but uh, you know they were my gateway into reading and um, although books obviously became more important to me and but then then one day my dad used to still bring me comics home because he knew I still liked them. And, it, and when I was 11, he brought me back a copy of 2000 AD. So that first one, I recall, was just after the original Judge Death, but just before the second story, Judge Death Lives. Um, and the reason I remember that is because the cover art from that first, uh, from the Judge Death Lives prog, which was 224, has stayed with me ever since then i still i remember it to this day and then i stuck with it through the golden age right through to the late 80s and early 90s and and then i moved to london to go to university and uh, i sort of moved on a little bit i used to walk past forbidden planet every day and um and i moved on to other things i mean in 88 i remember v for vendetta was was just being serialized again and i had seen a couple of episodes of v for vendetta in warrior and and when i saw it being serialized i was just so excited at seeing this story again and, I, and so i bought it every every month and and it didn't disappoint that's still my favorite comic of all time um and then there was things like watchman and sandman so um i mean I, I after that i stuck with the prog long enough to enjoy the dead man and acropolis which was obviously fantastic but i didn't go on much longer than that and then in the mid-2000s I, 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 like so many other people, I wondered what 2000 AD was like. So I started picking up a few copies and it turned out it was great. And, and it felt like I'd never been away. I mean, I missed things that my younger self liked, like the reader art on the nerve center. Cause I was, I was one of those people who would idly draw Thug the stormtrooper or Thug the elephant or whatever in my school books. Um, I never sent them in, of course, cause they weren't any good, but, um, but, you know, having come back to it, I then took a sub out to the prog and the Meg. And uh, I mean, listening to your podcast a lot, that trajectory of readership seems to have been one that's happened to an awful lot of people, Uh, you know, the sort of loving the golden age and then 
going away and then coming back. But, um, you know, I've, I've picked up on a lot of stories I missed in that in that missing decade. And I'm enjoying it now uh, probably more than ever. Fantastic stuff. Yeah, I'm pretty much the same as you, I think, you know, coming back to it after the golden age. And as you say, you're right. When you started with the prog, you're right in that classic era because we discussed, you know, a few options as to what book you might cover on the um the podcast and amazingly there's those particular stories that haven't yet cropped up tell us what we're talking about today giles uh right well today amazingly as you say haven't cropped up is is the it's, a, it's part of the essentials collection which is dread versus death and that is stories from 80 just just literally just start, just before i started reading right through to 1999 we've got the original judge death the sequel judge death lives and the and the four duck the Four Dark Judges, which was uh, just an extraordinary trilogy, and then some other stuff with uh, Anderson stories and uh, Death, where Death becomes him, and A Night with Just Death, which is a, both of which are sort of, I believe, were Meg stories featuring Mrs. Gunderson, who was the uh, landlady of the Young Death uh, line, and we've also got House of Death, which is which is just an absolute treat to see in this collection because that was that was Brian Talbot's. Brian Talbot and R of the of a Judge Death episode from the Dice Man comic, which was the, the short-lived uh, sort of um, play your own adventure comic, um, which I've never seen before. It didn't it didn't last very long in comic form. Um, I mean, I'm not sure how many of them how easy they are to get these days, but it's it's beautiful to see Brian Moore uh, Brian Talbot on that art and to and to find that and and, and I must say as well in advance that this is this is beautifully reproduced. It's absolutely, um, uh, it's, it's, it's such a treat to see all this art in uh, reproducing this in such beautiful form on this fantastic page, especially given, obviously, when I was reading it, it was it was produced on, uh, as we refer to it as time as bog paper. And that bog paper is now yellowing bog paper. So, um, yes. you know, pristine, pristine art. I, I think it, it feels to me a little bit like seeing this a new, which is, I, I guess, is the purpose of this. So it, it's a beautiful thing. It's it's a beautiful thing, and, we, and it, when we've got writers here, we've got John Wagner, Alan Grant, Brett Ewins, Cliff Robinson, Robin Smith, Alex Ronald, Andy Clark, and Brian, as I said, Brian Talbot, lettering to Charlie Churchoff, Gary Caldwell, and, and inevitably the magnificent Tom Frame. It, it's it's you know it's there are a few collections which will have that sort of pedigree of artist and writer. And as, as you pointed out to me, and which I was delighted to see when reading it first time, there is, there, there is a cameo appearance by Steve McManus, the, um, the mighty one himself in Prog 151, where there is a, there is a body in the morgue with a, a note tied to its toe uh, saying McManus S, cause of death, terminal brainstorm. Which is which is just a <laughs> lovely detail. Uh, there, there's another detail on that page which I also, which I never spotted the first time around, and I'm so pleased to have seen, is that if you look closely, Anderson at that point is carrying death, death body skeleton out of the morgue because he's got control of her, and um, and there's a name tag on his toe as well, which you which you blink and you miss it. And but his, uh, what I really enjoyed about this is is uh, on the, on that name tag it says death comma J. Uh, like it, that's his name. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. So this is, as you say, this is one of the Essentials collections, the Judge Dread Essentials. I think it's the most recent volume as we record, although I think Necropolis is coming up. Okay, so we're going to concentrate, I think, initially on those Brian Bolland illustrated stories that begin this book. 
And as you say, you started about Prog 200 just in time for Judge Death Lives. What was the effect it had on you at the time? Can you remember? I, I can. As I, as I said earlier, these, this, this has really stayed with me. I mean, it was like this was like reading a sort of an old diary almost. It felt like it, it felt absolutely vivid to me for being back at the time. I mean, it, it was 1981 and I, and I was uh, I was 11. And, and I fell completely for 2000 AD. And so much so, indeed, with, with Judge Death Lives, that I immediately wanted more of it. So I, I used to go to jumble sales and pick up old copies. And, I, and so it, it really didn't take me long, only four or five months before I'd actually got issues with the first Judge Death story in as well. So I, I was reading, I read Judge Death and then Judge Death Lives at pretty much the same time. And, and I also think uh, they were pretty much aimed at my age group. Um, and, and, and as a reader, and I think they hit the mark pretty perfectly. I mean, I'd, I'd grown up watching, I'd grown up with Star Wars. Um, I was seven in 1977, but around this time as well, I'd, I'd seen Escape from New York and Blade Runner for the first time, and I, and I adored both those films, and I still do. In fact, my friends still call me Snake Pliskin, um, hey. or Snake. They call me Snake after Snake Pliskin. And in fact, it, it, bizarrely, that nickname followed me around so much, so it's, it's one of my work email addresses as well. So um, I, I was in this perfect place for, for 2000 AD uh, to, to work its magic at that point. And, and 2000 AD was also sort of perfect for me and, and, and I think different as well. The reason this stays with me so much is that I, I never, it was so grounded in reality. Uh, I'd never taken to superhero comics. I, they, they just didn't click with me. Um, this felt grounded in reality, if if it's if if one can use that phrase about a sci-fi comic. So you know, dread for for all he was, he was just just a man. Halo Jones was just a girl. I mean, that was the point about her. She was ordinary. I mean, Rogue Trooper, for all that he was a genetically engineered soldier, was still just a man. Um, I remember there was Roxy in Skiz. Um, one of the lead characters, Navy Sue Warriors, was a sewer droid. There was Dion Quinch, who I adored. I mean, I had the Dion Quinch say neutral parents T-shirt. And they were just two badly behaved teenagers. And 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 I mean, I mean what could appeal more to two badly to a to a badly behaved teenager? I mean, you know, all, all of these they they just felt to me like they couldn't be further away from a man, you know, with superpowers where there's no jeopardy because of those superpowers. They felt instantly relatable to me. So so yeah, I mean, in terms of recollection, this this period this death judge death period this judge dread period this 2000 ad period is that absolutely you know imprinted on my memory so let's do a little background detail we'll start with judge death and this the creation of this character and i always like that john wagner alan grant were writing together in these various odd sort of buildings or sheds and at this point they're in a rented essex farmhouse and john remembers that alan was suggesting that judge Dread ought to have some sort of antithesis character, some opposite character. And that's how they started the idea of Judge Death. And I just love that they create this memorable character who comes back time and again while they're in this Essex farmhouse, uh, beavering away. I, I just love their sort of creation myths behind some of this stuff. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is fantastic. I, I, I do love the idea of the two of them sat down, uh, you know, saying, well, Dread's just too... Dread's too, too omnipotent. We've got to do something, you know. Um, I mean, in a way, that was his superpower, I suppose. He always came out on top. And by the nature of the Mega City and the Justice Department, when he came out on top, uh, his, his opponents ended up dead, which most often, or in an ISO queue. So, yeah, I, 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 I find it fascinating the idea they'd sit down and say, well, what, who can we do? Interestingly, I actually think that um, I think the better, the Moriarty to dread. 
uh, rather than death was PJ Maybe. And 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 I, I mean, I hope they bring back PJ Maybe. I really enjoyed him. I don't. I don't. I've got no idea if they will. But but it, the coming up with Dread and the Dark Judges and the Sisters of Death it, it was just the the style, the grandness of these as villains, as the antithesis to Dread was just absolutely brilliant. I mean, it was, you know, I, I imagine you could sit down and have a committee sit down and say, you know, let, oh, let's think of a villain, et cetera. And they could be at it for weeks and not come up with something as good as this. I mean, you know, there is a, um, a, a, a combined with the art, it was it, 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 these as villains are absolutely compelling. I mean, I, I remember I hadn't seen anything like it. There, there's the final page of the first episode of Judge Death Lives you turn the page and it's the three dark it's the three other dark judges it's a breathtaking piece of art at that point you have no idea who they are it's a cliffhanger you know it was it's absolutely superb and, and to to the imagination to come up with that it w- was was brilliant and and then to make them such major characters such in such important characters in the dread world and and to include so many absolute absolutely vital moments along along the way i mean obviously we say uh, everyone remembers the fist of dread and i and i do but interestingly enough i don't that didn't stand out at the time because the the very villainousness of the of of death etc and anderson being involved was such a roller coaster ride it, it just felt like one great moment among many and i read it with my friends and we talk about it and and the fist of death moment was mentioned but but you know, only in only in the passing of Izzy's death, fire, dread, Anderson, aren't they all awesome? You know, aren't they all brilliant? I mean, I, I recall that that um, not long later, Carlos's um, request denied panel from the Apocalypse War. That that was instantly iconic amongst us. I mean, I wonder if if the fist of death, fist of dread thing became iconic a bit later, but the the request denied one felt instantly perfect you know we, we were discussing that immediately afterwards because it caught everyone's imagination but i you know nonetheless you know as i say what 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 genius to come up with these characters and i, I you know I, I i as i say i don't think you could you could you could try for ages and and never hit the mark like this again well it's astonishing that they you know wagner grant and bolland create judge death and judge anderson get their first appearances and then they come back the next year and they add on Mortis, Fear and Fire, who, as you say, memorably appear at the end of that, um, I guess it's, what is it? Is it end of Prog 224 they appear? And it's it is, just, yeah. yeah, I mean, the character design that Bolland did. I, interestingly, I was at the Lawless Convention last weekend and Brian Bolland was there. And I went to a couple of his panels where he was talking about some of the character designs and in particular about how the creation of Judge Mortis with the sheep's skull head. Right. Um, John and he sort of like both can't quite remember whether John found the skull or Brian Bolland found the skull while he was out walking in Cumbria. But that was the <laughs> basis for Mortis. But I mean, you know, it's an astonishing character design and to produce these recurring villains and a supporting character like Anderson who've just come back time and time and time again and become so memorable. It's a great piece of work, really. Yeah, I mean, it is. I, I would I, I would be fascinated to hear a long-form explanation of the drawing. I mean, I'm just I'm just glancing now at that page where the, the other three dark judges are introduced, and, and they are. It's it's an extraordinary piece of design work. It really is. I would love I would love Brian to sit down and talk about that in detail. But yeah, so we, they they come up with these 
they come up with the four and and as you said and at the same time i mean i mean picture this in terms of everyone says the golden age but picture this within within this within this short 50 60 prog uh window and you've got the death fear fire mortis and and anderson which was it i mean you know what a, and, and and they've all lasted i mean anderson is is a character almost as large as dread now you know uh and lasted for all through all these decades and as as you've said as she said she, he based her famously on a debbie on a, on a debbie harry which she put into an advert asked been put into a forbidden planet advert and and and, and bizarrely two or three years ago debbie harry came into our office um to be do an interview or something and i saw her and um she was ex still extraordinarily striking looking it's just you know you couldn't take your eyes off her and you and i saw still to this day you you can see what brian saw in debbie that he wanted to to put into anderson and 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 also as a character that was why she was so refreshing and so gripping at the time you know she's in a way she's almost an anti-dread which is just brilliant because not only is she a woman she's a strong woman character but she's cheeky she smiles i remember in in the second episode she's in we see her wearing knee-length high heel boots which was just totally outrageous and i don't suppose what was justice department issue but that's typical anderson you know you've got to give her a bit of leeway because she's a side um and it also it was the 80s so that sort of thing went down uh enormously well with teenage boys not least me but she was just great you know instantly a strong character instantly likable and, and and relatable to as well in the way that in the way that, you know dread who let's not forget is a fascist cop uh she was relatable in a way that that he he wasn't and again striking about these stories at the end of the first death story to have her effectively killed off you know or, or you know, well effectively killed off it, a massively bold move and it and it was done in a very moving fashion and again rereading i thought wow that's fantastic you know look at this they've in, in, in several short episodes, created this brilliant character and then ended with her effectively out of the picture. And and, and I don't know, you might know better than me, but I, I don't know if there was any intent to bring her back at that point uh, or or not, or whether they thought, you know, that was just it. You know, we've had a, had a nice shot with this Anderson character, but she's gone. But just, but just the fact that they, 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 the writing was so good and so bold to do that. Yeah, I know they got a lot of uh, mail after the first Judge Death story, so I suspect... Steve McManus knew that this was, you know, they'd created some powerful characters here and they'd have to bring them back the next year. And yeah, how interesting that Anderson, who has the superpower, is actually the sort of human face and personality in the Justice Department. Well, you know, Dread is this, yeah, stony-faced enforcer all the time. She's great. And of course, Judge Death as a character memorable in design but also memorable in the sort of philosophy behind judge death and this you know all crime is all life is a crime now john wagner i know has gone on record a few times as saying that unfortunately his own dark sense of humor he can't stop in the later stories making death a slightly humorous character and you mentioned mrs gunderson the um perpetually short-sighted and deaf landlady of of uh Sydney death, as it were. Do you, I mean, did you find these more scary stories initially more impressive? What do you think of Judge Death when he becomes slightly comical later on? Well, I it's, it's interesting. It's a, it's a great question, Eamon. The um, I I found them frightening when I first read them. Frightening, but I, I preferred the fact that they were they were sort of quite scary. But I also found them hugely entertaining. Uh, uh, 
uh, when I was 12, I didn't notice, and, I, and rereading it, I, I realised, and this is probably what, what John Madden was talking about, was that there is, it's impossible to ignore, there is an element of almost comic theatrical melodrama to them. They are, the, the dark judges are all grand gestures and threats and portentous proclamations, which again, as a kid, as a kid, you're just like, whoa, yeah, that's cool, Judge Death. Um, but but as an adult, so so it's just, it, there's, it, it's, it's superb. It is so, so portentous. So, so, so he, um, Mortis says at one point, rest in peace, citizen, soon your guilt will be purged. Um, and, and when, and when Death gets a new body, Fire says, Death lives. Bring his garb of office, um, and then and then a, a later one. Death, death surprises a man in the shower, and leans into him and says, "Greetings. I have come to cleanse you." Now it's impossible to read that without a smile on your face, uh, as as well as as well as appreciating these are terrible alien super things from another dimension, which is obviously terrifying. But um, I actually think what what it was what, what worked was it even then and now as a child and, and a grown up it was it was a combination of them being superb villains and being frightening. But also being hugely entertaining with it. I mean, uh, you know, everyone likes to root for a villain to an extent, and and that they are almost in this way, this grandstanding, wisecracking helps a lot. And um, partly, I think the modern reinvention of of the death world, the death family, uh, I think it's lost a bit of that sense of playfulness, which is a shame. You know, there is a darkness in it, definitely from this period, and and that's impossible to ignore. I mean, in the conclusion to Death Lives. They're, they are tormenting Anderson, and, and Death says to her, "We can squeeze your soul until it bleeds." Now, that's a, that's a genuinely that's a that's a big line and quite scary. Again, it's that combination. It's that you know they they can be they can be hard as nails, frightening, uh, both both in words and imagery, but but also have a a great sense of the theatrical and the overblown about them which make and it's that combination which makes them so entertaining absolutely fascinating so we're going to talk a little bit about brian bolland's artwork i'm going to ask you about his artwork in a moment let's just do a quick bolland background born 1951 goes to study graphic design at norwich uh and then goes to london i think at what's now central st martin's or it had a different name then i believe i think it was um, st martin's college of art at the time that's right yeah thank you uh, and text, and text he, there, there you go and then back in 1972 he goes to this British comic convention, which he talked about last weekend, meets Des Skin and Dave Gibbons, gets uh, enlisted into the Bard and Art Agency, and then famously him and Dave Gibbons do their sort of apprenticeship working on the Nigerian Power Man comics. Um, yeah, before, I, I, I love that. I love that story. I mean, I love that fact about Brian. I mean, I don't. You know better than me, Eamon, but I, I don't know if anyone has written. Brian's biography. If they haven't, and he or his agent are listening, then I'm well up for that. Um, but I love the Power Man thing. The, the they they saw it as a way to learn to do comics, and Nigeria's comic market was very new at the time. So they were required, as far as I understand, to to number the panels, and they had to keep the storytelling very very simple in order for an audience that were completely unused to. To reading comics and I think Brian said this it trained him in the art of doing that to making things straightforward to to telling a story very clearly and that skill comes through repeatedly 
in his work during this in all his 2018 work i mean you know it's it's the ability his ability to to make things move on but also make them very understandable and 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 dramatic at the same time i mean what a what a way to take that um do that apprenticeship as it were i mean you know and and for it to work so well yeah, I, I know Dave Gibbons has got his own autobiography coming out later this year, but I don't know of any Brian Bolland ones, actually. We should have asked him that last week at Lawless. Uh, <laughs> I'll give him your name. Yeah, do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, of course, we don't often get the chance to talk about Bolland's sequentials on this podcast because, you know, after Judge Death Lives, he basically he becomes part of the British invasion. He does his DC work and mainly will then later on become a cover artist. So here we've got the black and white art of Judge Death and Judge Death Lives. As you say, the reproduction, the essentials trade is beautiful. Tell us what you thought about the artwork and his storytelling here. Well, I, I mean, I, I th- you've probably gathered that I, I'm very much a Bolland fan. I very much enjoyed it and I'm very much enjoying this collection. But I mean, what th- this is two parts. I mean, it's, it, it's undoubtedly, it's, I think it's the be- still the benchmark for Judge Dread and Judge Death. The, the, there are later stories in this collection that, that don't have quite this, this they're in colour, and they don't have a sense of contrast that makes the Bonham work so striking, that his line work, the shading, the detail. And again, from, from these Paramount experience, the, the composition, the storytelling is absolutely exquisite. You can glance at a page and the flow is absolutely immediate. I mean, in some cases, the words are almost superfluous. Um, and he combines that with an ability, you know, not just action, but to build tension. So there's there's a scene where Desperate goes out of his body across three very thin th- vertical panels. And, and the tension of his, of, his, of his spirit going out is just palpable in the drawing. There's no words there. It's just a drawing. Um, and there's another where Anderson is scanning Death's body and, and the... the Bonham draws the, ca- the camera moving in on her teeth, filling the frame with, with death's words coming out. Um, the sentence is death and it will be carried out. It's just a, a brilliant artistic vision. I mean, I'm sure John Wagner wrote it brilliantly, but but Brian's interpretation of it is absolutely superb. I mean, I I, I, I think this is this is peak Bolland to, to coin a phrase. And, and it's, um, I, I loved it so much. I remember there was a, if you, I don't know if you, you I'm sure you remember Eamon, but around shortly after this, the, the 2018 announced its big, big secret project of the time, which was the, the Think Brothers single. Oh yes. Um, yeah. M- yeah. Mutants in Mega City One. And um, to, to promote that, they had full size car cutouts of the 2018 cover at the time, which was, which was Bolland's Dread, but full size, thing and that was in they had that in in the hmv shop in portsmouth now for your younger readers hmv was a high street shop where one used to go and buy music which i will records which i believe you now refer to as vinyls but this was before all music was free on the internet so uh, that shows my age but um anyway I, I wanted it so badly and i went and i begged the guy behind the counter and he said i could have it but um and I went back to get it a few days, a few days, well, about a few weeks later, and the manager had taken it, which which broke my heart at the time, and still makes me slightly gnarly today because I bet the manager didn't keep it, and I and, and I often wonder how many of them are in existence. I don't think I've ever seen one on eBay, and I'd love to have one on my wall, but um, I don't I don't suppose that hardly any survived the eighties, but um, it it it. That was uh, that was how much I loved Bolland at the time, and how and how good this this. Uh, this artwork is 
London's Cartoon Museum has got one of those standees, uh, I think, as part of their permanent collection. That's it. So. Brilliant. Well, I advise everyone to go and have a look at that then. I will, certainly. Yeah. Excellent. I mean, I think, obviously, the first Judge Death story is iconic. But if we turn to Judge Death Lives, and as you say, the story cracks along, but every page seems to, you know, contain an iconic moment. You've mentioned gaze into the fist of dread but actually the whole story is just full of golden age moments of dread anderson and particularly the four dark judges you know every sort of individual panel is almost iconic now isn't it yeah i mean the whole the whole that whole again i i feel incredibly lucky that that was my almost my jumping off point i mean i, just, I had no I, I had no idea i was it, that, that, that this i was seeing something so good so instantly but yeah they, they are, I mean, they, every, every panel, as you say, is, is just perfectly readable. And again, reading them back now, they are, they feel like moments in time for me. They feel like, a, they, they're, like they're like records I bought at the time. You know, I remember buying records then by people like The Damned and New Model Army and, and, and Killing Joke. And there's a visceral intensity to them that I listen to now. And, and Bonham's art in Just Dead, Judge Death Lives is like that. I mean, it is, it is quite unmistakable i mean there are as i've said about the storytelling but also about his sense of his sense of pace and the way he frames everything absolutely perfect i mean i don't i don't know i'm unaware of whether he classes this at his best work or not um i i think it is uh, obviously we, you mentioned we mentioned the killing joke and and there is also camelot 3000 um and they're both stunning, and the, le- the level of detail on camera that he put on camera three thousand is superb. But you know, I still prefer this because of, because I think there is there's a thing about it in time, where it sits in time for me, and also just how good it is. And, and like, and I mean, you know, there's a relentless sense of dread here, and and the way he he gets so much so much into such small spaces in these panels. If you if you think you go back and look at this now, the Fist of Dread panel, this iconic, spectacular moment in Dread, it's one third of a page. It's tiny. And, and in real life probs, it really is tiny. I and mean, I've got it in a real life prob. And, um, but, uh, you know, even on the yellowing bog paper, the, the, the impact, the drama of it is absolutely huge for all that it is small. And, and and that's a remarkable achievement. And he's doing it here. He's banging these out page after page after page, panel after panel after panel. Yeah, I mean, I think like yourself, if you gave me the choice between Judge Death Lives and Camelot 3000 and The Killing Joke, I'd still go for Judge Death Lives. I don't think, as you say, it's ever been bettered in a way. It's like just simply a perfect story in whatever it is. Is it about four or five progs and that's it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, it's it's unimaginable now to 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 think that someone you, you know you could pitch this story and say, yeah, I tell you what, and it will be done in four progs. There you go. Yeah. Uh, what and it meant, you know, people will be saying, well, this should be a this should be a eighteen month run or something. Now it would be, you know, uh, and and here it is. Here it is in out done and dusted. And, and again, that's what makes it almost perfect. Yeah, absolutely. So we will probably come back to the pages of Judge Death Lives in a moment. If we look at the rest of the collection, as you say, we've got a Brett Ewan story, which I think is interesting because it it sort of follows a trend for a while where it makes Judge Death primarily, in a way, a sort of Anderson villain. It makes 
There's a lot of stories about Anderson and the Dark Judges, which is interesting. And then there's a couple of other stories later on as the as death starts to get slightly more humorous. What about the rest of the stories? What would you pick out from them? Well, I, I, I like these. I mean, I think there's, there's, it's, a, it's a tough ask here for anyone coming after Bolland. Uh, Bolland and Wagner in these, in when, you know, as we've just said, it, it's, it's peak Bolland for a start. You know, what, where'd you go after that? It's, that's really tough. I mean, I've, I, I have my thought on this uh, as, as a collection was actually possibly the only thing to have really done would have been to, to done these, these first three death stories and then do, and then do the dead man and the Acropolis. But obviously that's a separate collection, but, but it, and I, I'm being just a bit harsh on, on, on it is, but, but Brett Ewing's fantastic. I, lo- I love the fact that he here, uh, I mean, it's in color, but he draws a slightly different look for Anderson. You know, he draws a slightly less kooky. She's got, um she's got a definitively firmer jawline. It, it, it appears, you know, it is the rule at 2000 AD that she still has to look sexy on some level. But there is, uh, again, that, uh, your teenage boys, brilliant. We're, we're, they'll love that. But there is also, she, he brings a, a business-like toughness to her look. I mean, her eyes are piercing and determined. And the, and, and there's also, as you say, there is this slight shift here to to more uh, a more light-hearted sense of it. You know, I mean, give it... Anderson does have have other much more serious stories and much more human stories, but when but the her Judge Death one still seems to have some wit about uh, a lighter touch, which is again is nice. You know, I think that's a, it's a good mission for Anderson, and again, it makes her more rounded and a, and, and more human. Uh, certainly, certainly compared to Dread. So, I mean, there's a lovely part in this where the the city city deaf boys are all they're all bragging about how they're going to take on the dark judges and then inevitably the dark judges appear and they all just they all just you know are terrified and shout run and they all run and uh i mean that's just that's just that's just brilliant brilliant stuff so so i i enjoyed that a lot as we said death death become i think these both were both from the meg and they're both post young death um death becomes him again definitely a more humorous side i mean i i my understanding is i think wagner didn't want to write him much more post necropolis because he couldn't see where to take it death um and this may have been a reaction to that, 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 that to make it um to make it more humorous you know so there are you know uh, and, and it is it, it, it is it, it's good fun there's i, I there's a there's a Walter-esque quality to the humour of poor old Mrs. Gunderson, you know, short short sight, short of hearing, and it's played for laughs and 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 it does hit sometimes very well. There's the, the, the actor Giff in this episode, who, who has been infected by death by living in Mrs. Gunderson's apartment. She, he 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 eventually gets to deliver "You cannot kill what does not live" line, um, and as Dredd shoots him, and, and he probably drops dead. Which is, which is a great a great comic moment really, really well written and well in, well illustrated and and alex ronald's art in, in this is 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 very good similarly a night with judge death is a similar gunderson thing with a, with a little bit of a light hide tone it's it's a bit of a rerun of the same line which is again i, I just wonder if i wonder how much john's heart was it heart was in it in this it's a very nice piece certainly you know again if these if these are meant as an introduction to death and and dreads world then that's that's working really well and then the uh, the final one is house of death which which i was really pleased to see as i said at the start i i was a fan of the fine fighting fantasy books as a kid 
I, I never read the Diceman com comics. And, and since then, I've always wondered, I've always wondered, I don't know if you're aware of this, but um, if, if Pat Mills, who, who was behind Diceman, had read the book, The Diceman, which, which was a, a novel by uh, an English professor called George Cochrane, um, who wrote it under the Luke, name Luke Reinhardt. It came out in 1971, and it was a very subversive book at the time, um, where the protagonist decides to allow his life decisions to be dictated by rolling dice, uh, and it starts off with small things, you know, you know, what do I have for breakfast, etc., and it ends up in murder. Hmm. It's quite, it's quite entertaining. It was quite, it, it, it caused a bit of a fuss at the time. It's got nothing to do with Dice Man comic. I only mentioned it because it strikes me as a sort of thing. Pat, I can't imagine Pat wouldn't have read it. I, I certainly think so. But I mean, and that's an aside. It, 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 it was lovely to see Brian Talbot's art again. Um, I mean, I, I played this through properly, like one is supposed to, like a child. It, it was great fun. It was great fun to do. I, I think. I, again, you might correct me if I'm wrong. I think this is the first time anyone drew a face for Judge Fear when he opens his when he opens his mask to say gaze into the face of fear, and he reveals this sort of squishy, eye-filled visage, which is which is quite nice. But um, but then just ultimate moment in this whole in that whole strip is is Dread deals with it, it it not with the gaze into the fist of Dread, but by um, but by just butting him in the face and <laughs> and which is soundtracked by what i'm sure we all acknowledge is the is the sound of the 2000 ad headbutt which is obviously bock <laughs> um so yeah i mean again i would say it's worth it this book's worth it for that that literally that moment again and again so uh, you you play through it and you get to the end and there's a fantastic panel where dread dread burns death to death by by using fire's fiery trident uh, while proclaiming not your filthy law death but my law the law of justice um which again you know, this is grandstand stuff it was absolutely brilliant it was classic dread for younger younger readers and and it's a really nice period piece for all of those of us who never who never saw this the first time around and i certainly didn't and, and as i understand it dice man didn't get a huge amount of readers so um it, it, it it's also it's interesting because i can sort of see through it why dice man didn't last that long because it's a slightly it's a convoluted way to tell a story albeit that you are being part of it again i'm i'm, I'm not the target audience for it i suppose I, if you were nine or ten years old uh you probably found this terrific fun at the time but it's a i'm so pleased i'm so pleased they've included it and it's a real it's really lovely to be able to play through it and, look, and read that and, and especially with those with those particular panels Excellent stuff. I'm going to take you briefly back to the Brett Ewan story because that is coloured in this collection by Charlie Kirchhoff, which means it's that was a later colouring job, I think, for the IDW Judge Dredd Classics series. Right. Now, that reminds me that these Judge Dredd Essentials, these slim volumes that 2000 AD are putting out, I've been working on the theory which I've heard elsewhere, which is that they are mainly primarily designed for the American convention market back when 2000 AD was able to go to American conventions because of this sort of received wisdom that Americans only want coloured versions of comics. But interestingly, they haven't made any attempt to colour Brian Bolland's art or Brian Talbot's art at the end um, for this collection. They've left those thankfully, as they are, just done a really great reproduction on them. Um, what do you think about these sort of like the slim essentials, a sort of uh, particularly where they've coloured the art in? Uh, well, that's, that's fascinating. I didn't, I didn't know they'd coloured it, actually. And 
I'm maybe of the maybe now you've mentioned that, but maybe maybe I probably might have enjoyed it more if they hadn't, because I do because because what as I said earlier, what what is striking both about Talbot and Bolland is just the quality of the artwork and how brilliantly it works in colour. I should point out that, like for example, the the double page spread where all far all four dark judges appear. That's I think in the fourth episode of um, fourth episode of Judge Jeff Lives. In the original prog, that was coloured. Um, and I, and I, I got it because I bought it to cut out and frame myself. I bought bought an, another copy of the prog to cut out and frame. And um, and and again, he, here in this repro in black, that same page is reproduced in black and white, and it looks miles better. It looks just much much better than 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 that the color, the original color that it was in the prog. So I mean, I, I do like these. I do like these collections. If you Ask my, you know, if it was personal opinion, I would say no. Let's keep let's keep them all mono. But I completely understand why why one might not do, you know, for the American market where there is apparently a great resistance to this to just black and white. I can understand why they do it. It it, it didn't detract from reading it for me at all. And I think if you're aiming at new readers again in in a different market, then uh, this is a this is a perfectly good way to do it it's a very good way to do it in fact i mean i'm sure i don't suppose there are many 2000 ad fans and regular readers uh, etc who who haven't already read these stories or and don't have them already in other collections the case files what have you all those sort of things so so but but having said that i do like the superb quality in which it's in which it's been reproduced so i'm i'm, I'm i uh, i think what I would like to say is I'm pleased they're doing this with older material um, because it's great to see it out there. It's great. It's trying to approve, approve, uh, uh, appeal to a new audience. But there is, I mean, there is something I think is quite important as well for, for me having banged on for so long this afternoon about how, uh, about the golden age and, and what all this meant to me when I was 11 and 12 and 13 and all that nonsense. I would like to say that this retro stuff is great, but Deborah, I think I think we're in a sort of new golden age now for 2000 AD, and I think if there, anyone's listening who doesn't read it, it, now is the time to go back and give it a shot because I mean we're not seeing singular characters like Rogue Trooper, Johnny Alpha, or Slain so much, but the imagination and storytelling on offer now in 2000 AD in the magazine are as good as it as, as good as it was in the 80s, and that. And, um, and I was there in the 80s and enjoying it like nothing else. I mean, you you, you think now about Scarlet Trace's Kingdom, a brilliant Proteus Vex. I think Jaeger is the sequel, Rogue Trooper, always deserved. There's Brink, Kingmaker, the rebooted things, the Eastern Front. Insurrection and Lawless are, as far as I'm concerned, as good stories as ever been told in the Dreadfirst, ever. Um, and they would have sat perfectly in the mid-80s. What we've got now are strips where the storytelling and art is combining to extraordinary effect. The, the Phil Winslade's art on, on Lawless is, is as good, as striking and engrossing as anything Bolland did, and I'm enjoying it as much as anything Bolland did. So, you know, this is, you know, they're bringing back light-hearted stuff, like Intestinaut, Survival Geeks. I know it's caused a lot of fuss recently, but Pandora Perfect, I think, is is in many ways a quintessential 2000 AD strip. I mean, it's science fiction, it's fun, irreverent, it appeals to all ages. All ages. You know, I, I think it's great. It's a lot of people taken against that comedy, or that lighter-hearted type story in the in the prog now. But a light touch, a light touch was always part of it for me. You know, if you you think back to things like Ace Trucking. Part of the reason Ace Trucking was brilliant because it was fundamentally silly. 
Um, and, and, and I think there should always be a place for that in 2000 AD. Um, you know, it would, it would be, I think it would be a, a poor old world if the prog was grim sci-fi aimed at 40 to 50 year old men like me. Um, it would be a pretty meager diet. So, so brilliant, brilliant with, brilliant with the reprints like this. And I, and I adore seeing it, but I also think, you know, fair play to the prog and the meg at the moment, they are in a, they're in a place as good as, as good as it's ever been, I think. Excellent stuff. Well, uh, Judge Dread Essentials: Dread versus Death is available for 19.99 or 9.99 digitally. Uh, the other Essentials: uh, America, Apocalypse War, Origins are also out, and the Necropolis won't be far behind. We're going to play a very difficult round of the Grail Page game, Giles. Mm. I'm going to say now, the gaze into the Fist of Dread page and the page that precedes it and sets up the punch are off the table because, as you know, Chris Carer uh, bought those directly from Brian Bolland. He mentioned that at Lawless again last weekend. So we've done an episode about those already, but you've still got a cave of wonders um, to pick from in terms of internal pages and covers. I'm going to let you have, obviously, a cover as well. What are you going to pick um, from this wonderful collection? Well, I mean, in a way, I'm glad to finish the dress off the table. Because it, you know, in a way, because then, because that would have been just so easy, you know. Uh, yeah. So it's gone. So so it's not, and 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 it also focused my mind when reading it, just to to rereading it to think what it was like. So as I, for a page, and and I and I'll and I'll put this out there, and, and you know, people will doubtless think I'm an idiot, but as I've said earlier, the the final page I think of that first episode of Judge Death Lives, where you turn the page. And there is mortis, fear, and fire, and uh, filling the page, absolutely filling the page. And and the the, the speech bubble says she has been judged. The sentence was death. Is um, is just magnificent. I mean, if I could have this on my wall, I I I think as a piece of art that is actually much more striking than the uh, gaze into the fist of dread. Apart from anything else, it's a full page, and also it, it sort of doesn't need any context. To understand what's going on in Gaze of the Fist of Dread, you need you need the page before, uh, you know, where Anderson gets her foot caught in a man trap and what have you, and, and Fear opens his mask and all that stuff. Whereas this, you, the, the, there's no context needs. Crikey, who are these chaps? They're very frightening, aren't they? Absolutely terrifying. You know, I'd love that. I don't, um, you know, I've got no idea. Uh, my, my understanding appears to be that this stuff is almost impossible to get. And I, and I suspect that if it wasn't impossible to get, it would be well out of my price range. So if I may, I'll have that one. And if, and if, if I'm going to have a cover, uh, then, yes. then it, it, again, it would, it would be without doubt 224, which is, which is Judge Death Lives, which is the one where the, um, the guys just let, it's just cut the boing encapsulating Anderson and, and Judge Death Spirit has come out. Uh, Judge Death's ghostly spirit has come out and it says in massive letters to his left, Judge Death lives. And again, that, as I mentioned at the start, that's the one that's that, that stayed with me since I was 11. And, and I mean, and because I because I, I can't afford or find any of this art, I, I recently bought a load of these progs on eBay. Uh, and there's a very nice man there who will sell you, sell you uh, individual progs. And you don't have to buy the mint ones. You just buy the ones with the pages you want in. And, and, and I've since... I've since cut these pages out, things like Fist of Dread, this cover, and mounted them on black card and framed them. 
in, in, given the absence of of any any genuine artwork because I wanted some of this stuff to sit on my wall and um, for all that it is on yellowing aged paper it looks really nice and that cover looks really nice on my wall it doesn't it's not got near the vitality of the color in the reproduction here which is absolutely brilliant but obviously you know it is over 30 years old so um, I can I can recommend any any listeners who who you know can't afford a uh, can't afford any real art then that's it's a nice way to it's a nice way to get some of your favorite moments up on your wall and it costs very little and it gives me a gives me a pleasing smile every time i walk past it uh you know nothing like nothing like watching carlos's request denied panel uh <laughs> yeah so get up in the morning so um yeah if I, those two they, they would be my choices if that's possible Absolutely. Well, we're going to grant them to you. We can't obviously afford anywhere near them. No. But the the cover for Prog Two Two Four and the last page from that Prog as well, uh, the reveal of the other three dark judges. And as you say, that page where the three dark judges appear for the first time, and the ink in the background textures, the fact that he's managed to get so much of the sort of character design of those three judges into one image. Yeah, it's just a stunning page, isn't it? Absolutely glorious. It, I mean, it's, 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 the character design here, everything is here about them in this one, this one image. They, they are fully formed characters. You don't know what they're called yet. You don't know who they are. Well, you know, you know Mortis is called Mortis and Fars. You can just see it on their badges. But that they are unbelievably threatening and scary. Uh, and and you know, looming out of the page at you is is just brilliant. Uh, you know, I, 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 as I said, I, I'm, I'm taking this over a fist of dread. I'm afraid. And I've got the digital collection, and it's absolutely gloriously pin sharp. It's just brilliant. Um, so yeah, what a lovely page. I'm going to pick the cover to two two five that comes obviously after it. That famous cover of of death sort of reaching out towards you with the others in the background. Uh, but that still leaves the double-page spread of the four dark judges. It still leaves many iconic moments from Judge Death Lives for other people to pick on the podcast maybe later on. But those ones are now off the table. Yeah, that was my other choice, the double-page spread of the four yeah. dark judges. I mean, so, you know, sooner or you know, anyone does this does this again, that's a goner. Uh, that's brilliant. But again, like that, that was another one I I bought an old prog of and, and framed because it look it looks it looks great. So yeah, some uh, someone else will have that as as their grail page. Good for them. At some point, and I'm delighted to hear that you're still cutting them out and uh, framing them and keeping them, um, just like people should. You know, yeah, appreciate well, this artwork. It, it, it's a great way to appreciate artwork. It feels it feels a little bit. Um, a little bit sacrilegious, cutting up progs. Yes. Um, but but as I say, I, I tend what I tend to do. I talk to the talk to someone on eBay and just say I don't want a mint one. I just want one. I just want one where these two pages are in good nick. So uh, and there's also a lovely sense of of nostalgia about it when it comes and it is yellowed and it is tired out and it feels like the one I used to have. You know, many of them have still got the name and and street name written on the front of the cover, which is what they used to do, you know, when, when mine came, you know, for the paper boy, so people knew where to take them. So there is a beautiful sense of nostalgia about them. And it, and and as you say, I, I do like the idea that they are, it's it's a way of getting the art out there, but without actually having to knock out five grand or whatever a bollinger would cost nowadays, probably more than that, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. 
Oh, great stuff, Giles. Well, we, there is The Essentials, Dread versus Death. And it's just, as you say, it's marvellous. If anybody hasn't read these issues for a while, get this wonderful Essential. Because um, it is, as you say, the reproduction is glorious. The stories are great. Uh, it's nice to have the Brian Tolbert House of Death story in there at the back. It's just marvellous. Yeah, absolutely great. I mean, I can, as I say, I, I can't recommend this enough. And it is a, apart from anything else, if you, even if you, even if you know the stories, and you and you and you know you you don't feel like you need to read them again. In this reproduction, it's so good. It did feel like seeing them anew for me, and I and I can't recommend that enough. You know, having a, I've I've read this again in the case files, etc. I've read them in other circumstances, but seeing them reproduced like this was is is I, I say it, it it did feel like a visceral moment of taking me right back to being eleven and twelve again. So I I yeah I can't recommend it enough. Excellent stuff, Giles. Um, guest projects time now at the top of the show I mentioned you're a Formula One correspondent or the Formula One correspondent for the Guardian uh, that takes you around the world quite a bit I should imagine uh, yeah it does it's a lot of travelling um, I mean we have 23 races a season well 23 well 22 races this year but um, there's a lot of travelling I, I, I'm not complaining I, it's a brilliant job I love doing it the travelling means I do get to keep up with what's happening via podcasts so, I, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to this one, of course, which is spectacularly good. I listen to the Thrillcast and Space Spinner 2000, which I hope all your listeners also listen to. I mean, I love that. I'm currently, can't say how pleased I am at the moment that Conrad and Fox of Space Spinner are currently working their way through all the progs of the 90s so that I don't have to. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, can, I can only, if they're listening, I can only thank them and salute their efforts in doing so brilliantly. I mean, it means they're reading big day, so I don't have to. And, and equally, it means that I'm, I'm, I'm sort of having all the gaps in my reading filled in vicariously through them in an enormously entertaining fashion. So, yeah, yeah. It's a, I, uh, and, and when I get back from, from the travelling, I've always got a, a pile of progs on the, on the doormat waiting for me to catch up on, which is, again, that's something to smile about when you, you just got off a 20-hour flight or something. So, so yeah, brilliant. Fantastic. Uh, and is there a story from your sort of gap years that you particularly appreciate? Well, from the, the ones the ones I've gone back to, I, I think I stopped just before America, and I, and I went back to America, and again, what a piece of writing that is! You know, I mean, if that was, it, it's interesting because it was it was a completely different tone to what it was when I started when I was 11. And obviously, clearly it had moved on and everyone had got older. John Wagner had got older. I, the readers had all got older and it, and it sort of reflected that. So when I, when I went back, when I went back and I, and I thought, well, what, you know, let's just read up on this and what have I missed? And, the, and there was America and, and all that stuff. And I, and I read that and I thought, well, this is, this is storytelling, engaging storytelling about a character I know, but in a, in, I think a, completely different way of of the highest order you know it, it really is like this is when i one of, the, one of those ones and i've long said this it, it was that's the sort of story where you know people who are dismissive of comic books just need to be sat down with it and said all right well look, you i'm gonna you know here's a background on this judge good character and where he is and okay you think that's childish and you think it's sci-fi well now you read this and see what you think about it afterwards in the same way that some you know some people dismiss the simpsons as being sort of childish when so much of the humor in it is quite clearly aimed, aimed at adults and is, and is very adult humor so yeah i i really really enjoyed that i haven't delved great depths yet into 
what else I should do. I think I, I, I've I've got Button Man, which I still haven't read yet, but which I, I am reliably informed by Conrad and Fox is a work of genius. So yeah, that will be that that will be my next thing to read from the from the lost years. Yeah, Button Man is fantastic. The story is great. The Arthur Anson art is spectacular. You'll enjoy that one, Giles, I'm sure. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for giving up your time on this Jubilee Day. Um, we haven't had too much background noise from street parties, thank goodness. Um, and I look forward at some point in the future to getting you back on the podcast. Well, I'd love to come back on. It's been, it's been an absolute pleasure, Eamon. Uh, and yeah, you're right. The, um, the, the street parties just about kept it down celebrating Her Majesty. So uh, good for that. Um, but yeah, I'd love to come back. It's been a real pleasure. And, you know, I, uh, what, what, as I said at the start, what an absolute treat to talk about a book this good. Yeah, uh, amazed it hadn't been picked yet, but there we are, we've done it. Uh, Dread v Death and Brian Bolland's sequential art. Um, peak Bolland, peak Dread, rarely gets any better than that, I think. Absolutely, yeah, completely. Thank you, Giles, and thank you to everyone for listening to Mega City Book Club. As ever, find all the details at megacitybookclub.com. Follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the 2000 AD forums to see images of some of the pages that Giles and I have been talking about uh, and picking as Grail pages. And email me, mcbcpodcast at gmail.com, as Giles did, if you want to get in touch and talk about a book on the show. And until next time, when we're passing judgment on another spectacular book, it's uh, goodbye from me and... Mind the oranges, Marlon! Yes.